Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Well, it's good good to be here again, talking uh, from this standpoint. It's a, it's a good time. I've been thinking about hope for the last few months. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I, uh, I talked and I talked about hope and how hope affects a person's perspective. Um, you know, we talked about Paul, which is uh, a great example. We talked about how he had 39 lashes, endured that five times. Can you imagine what the guy's back looked like when he took his shirt off? Uh, you know, 39 lashes, but that wasn't all. Shipwrecked, he was beaten. All the things he endured, and yet he wrote, you know, most of the New Testament. And when he wrote it, you see in almost every book, he starts off passing out compliments. He's saying blessings over folks. And then he goes on and on and on about all the things he's thankful for. You see it in, this, in those beautiful writings. And it's just, it fascinates me, I think. How does someone, you know, going through those circumstances, how does someone have hope like that? How does someone have that perspective? And then we talked about uh, a couple of modern-day modern day examples, Evil Knievel. Uh, Evil Knievel, you know, he, he jumping over uh, the Caesar's palace, the fountains, and he became successful after that famous crash. And the guy was at the height of his career, and he's going to jump over the Snake River Canyon. He's got everything he ever asked for. You know, he wanted to do this stunt. He wanted all the press. He went around, did the press conferences, uh, around the country and built all this up. But in the last few weeks, uh, you can see in, in uh, there's a lot of video footage of this particular event, he became really anxious and argumentative uh, about a week or so before this jump. And he's arguing with reporters and he was obviously not at peace. And then we also talked about Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a lady that when she was 17 years old, she was, um, she had a swimming accident. She dove into some water. She didn't realize how shallow the water was. She broke her neck, and so she has spent the rest of her life, she's still alive, she can't move from the neck down. She's paralyzed, completely paralyzed. And she says in her own words, she said, you know, I struggled with life, she said. I, she didn't know if she wanted to live. And uh, she didn't know if she wanted to live life like that. And then she struggled with God. She says, God, how did this happen to me? Why does this happen to me? Where were you? And uh, then she says in her own words, she incrementally, inch by inch, step by step, gave all of her expectations to God. She said, God, you take it. Here's my expectations for life. I planned on doing this and that or the other, but I give you my expectations, my hope for life. And Johnny Erickson Tata went on to write 14 successful books She's recorded musical albums. She has a beautiful, beautiful voice. And the way I know her is that she's had a, a radio program, successful radio program for 30 years. She's an inspirational speaker. And so we, we, we talked about that. And after I finished, I thought, well, you know, it, it is interesting how hope changes a person's perspective. But yet there, there's more to it as well. And so I'm going to... Uh, continue on from there but 
first, before I do, um, you would join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for putting us on earth here at the same time. We'd all be a community here together. Lord, I thank you for the love between us. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you, that you help me speak clearly your truth from the word today. And Lord, I pray that you help us receive it. We pray that you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, and we talked about how C.S. Lewis, he, he put it uh, in a nice, succinctly way, what we're talking about with this hope. He said, C.S. Lewis says that uh, hope is one of the theological virtues. That means a continually looking forward to the eternal world. He says it's not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things we're meant to do. One of the things we're meant to do, he says. And we're going to see some scriptures here in a minute that, that tells you where he got that from. It says we're not meant, meant to leave this world as it is. In other words, we have some work to do here. It's not that we just have a hope and we're all looking forward to die, to dying and going to the eternal world. We have a, a work to do here now and God has a plan for our life now he says as a matter of fact if you read history this is C.S. Lewis still if you read history you find that Christians who did the most for this present world were simply those who thought most of the next world and so um, we we looked at Ephesians 1.18 if you'd bring that up again Ethan um, it says I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened now this is Paul uh, in Ephesians writing and he says I pray that the light of your heart will be enlightened the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called and the interesting thing is he's writing to the Ephesians and in the first part of it you know this is the same book we talked about last time where Paul's passing out compliments he called them faithful saints he, he's saying good things to them he's talking to Christians but he's telling these Christians that he prays that their, that their heart, the eyes of their heart are enlightened so that they can see the hope that they're called to. Interesting, interesting enough. So we know that we're called to hope. And then Ephesians 4.4 4 says, says it again in the same book. Um, he's talking about unity in Ephesians 4.4. 4, and he's, he says that... Um, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to, to the one hope, um, just as you were called to one hope. So he's reminding them again that we've been called to hope. Um, 1 Peter 1.3 says, there we go, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So I, I say, wow, this is, this is very interesting. We, we've been called to live in hope. So what is this hope? And as I said, I'm fascinated how Paul can endure all these things and still write like he does and encourage millions of people like he does, like he did, and wrote 
you know, at least a third of it from a jail cell after enduring all those things. So I look at hope, and we use hope in our common language. I mean, every week you probably used it this week several times. I know I did. You say, oh, I hope it doesn't snow anymore. You know, I hope it doesn't get out of hand. Um, I hope we don't have another year like 2010 where we had 108 inches of snow. I don't really want to shovel all that, you know. And we say things like, well, I, I hope my car lasts. I don't really want to buy a new car, you know, anytime soon. I, I hope that I don't have big repair bills or what have you. We use hope quite a bit, common hope. And is that the hope, is that the hope we've been called to? Um, then we also think about, you can look at common hope as it's used in psychology. Uh, sports psychology uses hope in it. I mean, they talk about it quite a bit in sports psychology. I, I got some, uh, I looked through and I pulled out some, some quotes here. And uh, this is out of Psychology Today. They said hope is specified optimism. That's what they called it. They said this is a common use of hope. They say specified optimism is a, is a determinant of the difference between continued striving and giving up. And turning away. Interesting. Okay. That sounds like maybe some, some truth in there, in this common hope. And then they also say, although hope and optimism may be perceived as just a frame of mind, because they're looking at it from a non-biblical standpoint, and they, they just say it may be a, a frame of mind, just a frame of mind, but it can and help, in fact, help coaches and sports psychologists predict and understand uh, an athlete's performance. Interesting. They can predict and understand an athlete's performance based on their level of hope or how they see life, their perspective, what their expectation is. This is aside from their muscles and bone structure and, and whatever else. And then one last quote from Psychology Today says, cutting-edge science shows that hope matters a lot. Yeah, that's, I'm just quoting, that's what they said. Hope is not a brand new concept in psychology, they go on to say. In 1991, the eminent positive psychologist Charles R. Snyder and his colleagues came up with the hope theory. I, I didn't know there was a hope theory, but it's interesting to see. According to the theory, hope consists of agencies and pathways. Okay, you lost me there, but they go on. It says, the person who has hope has the will and determination that goals will be achieved and a set of strategies at their disposal to reach their goals. Then they, they're not like this. They, I'm still quoting. It says, put simply, hope involves the will to get there and different ways to get there. And it's, it is interesting to see the common use of hope, but it's also important to know, is that the biblical hope we've been called to? Because we've been called to hope. It says it, it says it many places, and we've already seen that. But is that what we're, we've been called to? Is it the hope of, I hope it doesn't snow 110 inches. I hope it doesn't break a record this year. Is that what we've been called to? And it, it makes me, it, as I was thinking through this, I'm reminded of a movie I, I saw, A Beautiful Mind. This, this movie was made 20 years ago. It's hard for me to believe. It's almost 20 years ago that this movie was made. It was made about the life of John Nash. John Nash was a, was a mathematician, and he is also a Nobel uh, laureate. 
and for his work in economics. He, um, he studied, he made significant contributions to differential geometry and the study of partial differential equations. I don't know what he's talking about there, but he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. And my favorite line in the movie, the one I remember most, is Russell Crowe is, is playing the life of John Nash in this movie called A Beautiful Mind. And, uh, and, and that, at this point in the movie, John Nash is talking with a colleague, and they're discussing some theory, some economic or mathematical theory. And John, John Nash says, he talks about the theory, and he says, it's incomplete. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. He says that over and over. That, that theory is good, but it's incomplete. It's incomplete. And that's what I think of when I, when I think about common hope. Well, it's okay, to, it's okay to say, well, I hope they're serving some good food today at whatever we're going. That's, that's, that's great. It's, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. But I'm going to put this down here. <laughs> but uh, it's incomplete. Is that we'll see here in a minute. Our, our hope is more than that. But this brings me to my, to my first point, Ethan, if you don't mind. Uh, when we speak as believers of hope, we don't mean a desire that may or may not be fulfilled. Our hope is certain. It is certain. And, and uh, we're not talking about something that you have to strive for. Do I have to obtain hope? No, you don't have to obtain hope. Your hope is already certain. You've been born into hope. We've been born into hope. It's, it's not something we have to obtain. But we look at Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. It says, um, God did this. The two untangible things in which is impossible. Uh, by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. He did this so that we who take hold of this hope will be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And you know, and I look at that and I read that and I go, man, that, that's a strong statement. Nothing lied about that statement right there. Uh, you know, he talks about how God can't lie. And that this hope is an anchor for our souls. And I think, does that make sense? You know, I, if you ask me, as if that matters, if you ask me, I, I say, well, maybe faith is the anchor of, of your soul. If you just ask me out of the blue, I say, well, maybe faith is. I mean, we know without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, when we, and, we, and we hear, when we think of faith, we think of faith, love, and hope, or faith, uh, hope, and charity. Um, those kind of interchangeable love and charity. And you think, well, it says that the greatest of these, those three things, faith, love, and hope, is love. There's a whole chapter written about love. And we know God is love. So maybe, God, maybe love is, is the anchor of our soul. But that, that's not what it says. It says hope is the anchor of our soul. Do you, do you feel sometimes in life that you get tossed around a little bit? You could use an anchor. See, that, that's why it's important to understand hope. The, the biblical way that, that hope is described, that's why it's important to, to know that. Because it is the anchor 
on our soul. So, what is hope? Well, if it's, if it is, you know, um, as this described it, if it is firm and secure, and if it's the anchor of our, of our soul, and it doesn't sound to me like the, the common use of hope that we say, when we say, I hope the, I hope the restaurant has room for us today. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's something more than that. So, so, but before we get into that, I want to tell you a story about two boys in, in school. Now, I realize that the next 90 seconds of your life, you're never going to get back. But I promise you, this has to do with what we're talking about today. So, so two young men, they're, they're in high school and they're taking a test. This is an important test. It's, it's Jim Bob and Bubba. And they're going to take the test. And they realize this is the test we have to pass. They've been studying quite a bit. So when Jim Bob sits down, he looks at the first question. It's a fill in the blank. Old MacDonald had a, like, just fill in the blank. I, I need to come up with this. And he draws a blank. He's not a very good test taker. And so his mind goes blank and he says to Bubba, Bubba, hey, I, I need some help. I'm just drawing a blank here. I just need to get going. And Bubba's like, man, you're going to get us kicked out of here. So I just, just get me going. Just get me going. He says, okay, old MacDonald had a farm. And it's, he's just so happy. He said, yes, that's right. I studied that. I remember that. Old MacDonald had a farm. So he starts to write it down. And then he panics again. He's like, Bubba, how do you spell farm? How do you spell it? And Bubba just, he, he, you know, he's holding it back, but he unloads on him. He says, Jim Bob, you, know, you should have been studying. You should have studied more. Everybody knows old McDonald had a farm, and everybody knows it's spelled E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> anyway, so, but you know, in, in life, we all face tests. We all go through tests. And that, that, that is something that... Uh, well, you know, it's not going to change. Christ said, in this life, we'll experience tribulation. We're going to experience challenges. That's just life. But he said, be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. And we don't, you know, a test or something we, we don't like to think about, especially when we're thinking about our kids. You know, we don't want to see our kids go through obstacles and, uh, and tests in life. But, but it is... It's something that, that we all face. What if we had the answers? What if we had the answers in life? What if we took those answers and we just put them away? What if we put them on a shelf somewhere? What if we had the answers, but we put, maybe we kept some of them in our pockets and we took them out and we talked to our friends about it and it was in our conversation and we reminded each other of it. What if we had some other answers? We just put them away. We didn't think about them. If you, somebody asked you, do you believe such and such? You gotta, yeah, yeah, I do. But I, it's, just, it's just been put away. So really nobody asked me about that because we all put it away. I'm just saying in this, in this scenario. If, you all, if, if we put, if we know something, but yet we put it aside, it just kind of slips off into oblivion. And, and even though, you know, if, if you don't mind, Ethan, can you pull that um, Ephesians 1.18 back up again? You know, when you look at this scripture, 
He says, I pray that, your heart, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. And we see that, yeah, we're born into hope, but you've got, we've got to realize it. We've got to encourage each other about it. We've got to talk about it. Uh, or it just, it's just like the answers to a test that you have. You just put it away. You know, it, it, it goes away. Now, the reason I bring that up is we, we all know there's an enemy at work. And you think about what, what the enemy has to work with. I mean, Christ has already died for our sins. He's, he's resurrected. And, uh, you know, you, if you believe in, in, in Christ, repent and follow him, I mean, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if, if I fall over dead today, I know, like Paul says, to die is to gain, live is Christ. So what does the devil have to work with? You know, it, it doesn't have a whole lot to work with. But what he'd, what he'd like to do is he'd like to coax us into forgetting what biblical hope is. He'd like to coax us into... And just to remind us and have us think about common hope. Common hope is, well, I hope, yeah, I hope those, uh, I hope the, whatever it might be. I hope you snow again, because that's all I can think about lately. I hope it doesn't come down in six or eight inches this next weekend or, or what have you. And it's, it's not, you know, not the same biblical hope that is uh, something that is, is secure. And that we know it's certain. So, um, as I think about C.S. Lewis's take on it as well, he, he talks about the continually looking forward to the eternal world. And he says, Christians that do the most in this present world, when you look at history, Christians that do the most in this present world are just those who thought most of the next. And I think, aha, well, maybe, maybe that's what it's about. Now, I realize, you know, we talked about there's more than one side to this hope thing. You know, Paul is enduring all of these, these in my opinion, terrible circumstances. That's just kind of how it looks on the outside. It looks like terrible circumstances that he endured. But yet, he's passing out compliments and saying blessings over folks and talking about all the things that, he, that he's hopeful for. And you can see... And Paul, Paul talks about the hope. That's where we got some of the scriptures we read. And he talks about encouraging others. And you can kind of see how it is he's able to stay and live in this biblical hope that we've been called to. You think about skills we've developed in life you know, or, what, or what you want to develop, whatever it might be, wherever you are in life. You might be a good welder. You might be a good electrician builder, financial person, farmer, teacher, businessman, medical person, whatever it might be, we know that in general, if you don't use it, what? You lose it. And, you know, um, we, we have to remind ourselves and think about that. And um, I, I, when I think of the use it or, use it, use it or lose it theory, I think of Romans 12 too. Romans 12, 2, you know, says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be 
transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what is it we need to renew our minds about in regard to hope? Well, let's look, at, let's look again at what, what the Bible says about hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And we know that 1 Corinthians 13 is the, is the love chapter. It's talking about all the things, all the virtues of love. And, um, and, but on the, the last verse of chapter 13, it says, Now these three things remain. These, things, these three things last forever. These remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, as Christians, we talk about our faith. I mean, sometimes we equate, when we say faith, we, we say it just like I said it. We, we talk about our faith. We're equating faith with our salvation. We definitely understand how important it is to have faith. And as we said before, we know God is love. And we know how important uh, that is. But... I'll tell you what, let's look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, and uh, I'll hold that thought for a moment. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So you see that, yeah, faith is the subject of this. I'm, I'm not a very good grammar guy. I'm more of a math person, but I can tell that faith is the subject of that sentence, talking about faith. But yet, if you don't, if hope is displaced, or if hope is distorted, then, then that kind of messes up that 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 confidence. You've got to be, you got to have your hope in the right place for this to work correctly, like like uh, in the biblical way. And I think about because this is the way my brain works. I think of a, a car with a really good engine. And this engine, you get in, hit the gas, and it's warm, warm. This is a great car, you know. It, it, it runs really well. But it doesn't run really, really well if the transmission doesn't work. The transmission's got to take that power and, and transfer it. Kind of like you can have a lot of faith in the world. Uh, you can have the biggest faith in the world. You don't have love. You're not transmitting that, that, that faith to those around you, God's love. You know, um, but where does hope come in? Well, what did, they, what did we read about hope earlier? Hope is the anchor of your soul. So, you know, me being a car guy, I'm like, well, wow, this is incredible. Hope is the tires. It's what keeps you planted on, on the ground. And so, you know, it's just important. It, it, it's, it's good to think about hope every so often, remind ourselves and, and Renew our minds of what hope is because hope is more than just not being anxious when you endure hardship like, uh, like Paul did and like some of these others we talked about. It is, it is an integral part of our faith. And so I think about, all right, well, what is that hope then? What, what is it again? What's the hope? I look at John 14, 19. And for me, this is where it puts it all in, in John 14, 19, he says, um, Jesus said, he's talking. He says, for long, we will not see, you will not see me anymore. Um, 
This is towards the end of his, of his ministry. So Jesus says, Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. He's talking to his disciples. And then he says, Because I live, you will also live. And that's what that's where our hope is. I mean, that's where our hope is. I mean, what can someone do to you if they can't, if they can't kill you? I'm like, hey, take your best shot. You know, I... I uh, no matter what happens, I know where I'm going. And I also know that this life, it doesn't even do it justice. If I took a pen and marked a, a little marks a lot, marked a little dot on here and compared it to the rest of this room, it doesn't do it justice of what this life is compared to what God has left for us in eternity. There's no comparison at all. But it's, that's not all of it as well. Um, but it brings me to my second point before we go too much further. Uh, let us not confuse the obstacles and challenges. And this is on the bulletin, by the way, on the back of the bulletin, if you, if you like. It says, let us not confuse obstacles or challenges in life with hopelessness. You know, you think about, you think about Paul and what he endured. Man, that would be really easy. For him to, to think, God, I must, am I out of your will? I must be out of your will. I, don't, I, I must be doing things wrong. Because of, look at all these challenges. Look at all of these things that I've, that I've gone through. But it, that's what the enemy wants us to do, is confuse our obstacles with hopelessness. But we are never without hope. We are never hopeless. We're born to live in hope. You know, and just like that, you know, you might hear a, a, a young teenager sing and you discover for the first time, wow, they have a beautiful voice. We've probably all seen this somewhere, at least on YouTube or what have you. And you go, you look at this and you go, how does that beautiful voice, how does that big voice come out of such a small stature? And you go, ah, she was born to sing, or he was born to sing. Or you look at, you look at an athlete who's breaking all the records and in high school or, or college and, and just blowing everyone away and you, and you think, man, that guy or that gal, they were born to run. We were born to hope. And so, you know, today we've, we've talked about how we were born to hope and that's actually the third point. Ethan. It's, it's on the back of the bulletin. We were, we were born to live in hope we talked about hope that we've been given is a certain hope. Because Christ lived, we also live. It's certain. It's not a common hope. And then, um, but what does it look like to live in hope? What does that look like day-to-day -day life? Well, I'll tell you something that I personally observed and just a, just a short story. When my wife and I moved here in 2011, we had been, for the previous 16 years before 2011, we'd lived in five different places. I, I had a, a job that caused me to move, and I lived uh, as far down as south as Houston. I lived as far east on the east coast as Washington, D.C. I lived in Los Angeles and, and places in between. And I, I still went to church. We went to church as a family. 
And, um, you know, one, one thing that, that crept in my mind, though, is because I, I don't know exactly why, but maybe I put the answer uh, on the wall and, or somewhere in, in a drawer and forgot about it, that we are to live as a family. You know, Christ, Christ referred to believers around him as his brothers and sisters, his mother. You, you probably recall how, you know, the disciples came to him and said, your mother and your brother and whatever, they're outside. And he said, those who believe, the believer, that, that's, that's my family. And I had kind of let that fade away in the background because I knew in two or three years I'm, I'm going to be going somewhere else. And, and I thought, have I got my family? Yeah, I have my beautiful wife. I've got my sons, uh, my extended family. I still go see as much as I can. But I kind of subconsciously didn't let myself get involved in, in the church family. And I didn't invest in the church family. And, you know, um, as, when we arrived here, though, my wife, well, first of all, we were empty nesters. Our sons were in college, so we were by ourselves. And my wife needed knee surgery right off the bat. You know, knee surgery would knock you off your feet for a couple of weeks, and she, it was a pretty good surgery. And, and I recall, I don't know how it happened, but somehow or another, people started bringing from this church food to the house. And I'm going to get through this. And that's the reason I told that joke, is so I can get through this. E-I-E-I-O. That reminds me. I, this is a happy talk. <laughs> So, at any rate, um, I remember that, you know, we had so much food in the refrigerator, I had to say, that's enough, thank you very much, that is awesome. And I thought, this is really strange. I haven't experienced something like this in a long time, you know, at least 16 years of, of a church family. But then it didn't stop there, you know, we were... E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> we were doing some work around the house. And uh, I needed to move a, a shed. And I look in the yellow pages. That's what I'm used to. No. You know, I shouldn't go with a personal example. <laughs> But I, I, um, I'm like, okay, where am I going to find in the yellow pages I need to move this shed? How am I going to move this shed? So, I asked folks at church. Yeah. So, let me do some checking. <laughs> and uh, so they did some checking and uh, a couple days later, I get a text. They say, are you going to be around tonight? Said, yeah. I said, well, a couple of us are going to come by. We're going to take a look at that. I said, oh, okay. And uh, they show up. And wouldn't you know, they got this huge piece of machinery. There's about five guys. And they move this, this shed, and, and they won't take any payment for this. And, you know, I made the only rational conclusion I could make at that point. These guys are working me. They're trying to get me. <laughs> There's some sort of con job coming. There's something coming. But I, I, didn't, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I know. I'm looking for this. I can see it coming. But it didn't stop. But then, 
wasn't just me, though. You know, helping other people. And then they invited me, you know, eventually to work, go with them. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. What I realized. And that's when I realized I had, you know, crusty layers on my heart. And you know what these guys were doing? They were just living. just living in hope. Thinking about thinking more of the next life and letting that influence how they handle themselves. And uh, So, uh, at any rate, <clears throat> it's it's an, it's interesting to see that hope is not just being not having angst about circumstances of life. Hope is also when you're living in hope, you're being the light of the world. You're being a light to those around. So, uh, Tim, I guess we're singing. Uh, one last song, is that right? <laughs> All right. Good deal. And while they're, while they're getting ready for that, I'll, I'll just bring this to a conclusion. So what, what motivates someone to spend a little extra time and talk to someone that has nothing to offer? You know, what, what motivates someone to, to help someone out when it's not a I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of situation? What motivates someone to work with a with kids on Wednesday night or work with the children in the, in the nursery or children's church or, or, or all the things that, that, that we do. It's looking, it's looking at, and let it be, looking at the hope we've all been given, this certain hope. No doubt about this hope. We all have this hope. You don't have to obtain this hope. We do have to realize we have to recognize we have it. We have to, we have to remind each other of that as well. And it's ironic and it's also a pleasure. It's ironic that I give this message to this church, the church that taught me this message so 
So I, I, uh, I encourage you to live in hope. Remind each other of the hope that we've been called to. Thanks. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Uh, Lord, thank you for the love between us. Lord, we pray that you, you open up the eyes of our heart to see, be enlightened to the hope that you call us to. Lord, we pray you, you bless this week and bless the time together in fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.